Titus chapter 2, verse 13. Um, Titus 2, verse 13. I think I saw, I don't know if he's still around, is Jonathan Clark around? I think I saw him around someplace. Oh, good. Okay, I'm going to borrow you, Jonathan, in about... No, in about 10 minutes. Okay, very good. Titus chapter 2, verse 13, reading from the New Living Translation. We look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. In other words, we're looking forward to the Lord coming again, the Lord Jesus. I want to talk to you on the subject, no return, no Return. We've been talking about doctrine, and you know, hopefully next month I'll really explain to you. Uh, we'll, we'll circle back again on why we're going through doctrine, because it's so very important. Uh, this is the last. Um, <clears throat> um, this is the last message on the trilogy of doctrine that we've been going through. We talked about the doctrine of Scripture. We talked about the doctrine of um, God, and now we're talking about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. If you have an iPhone, you don't have to take it out, but you know when you take photos on your iPhone, there's a, there's a mode in the photo uh, section where you take uh, particular not photos or so much your camera that's called HDR. Anybody? HDR. And so I'm trying to use these little acronyms to help you remember the doctrine of Christ, and I call it HDR2. HDR2. And what I mean by that is that when we talk about the doctrine of Christ, we, number, we found out that number one, number one, that Christ was a human. Number two, we found out that Christ was deity. And then R2, R squared, we found out last week that Christ was resurrected. And this morning, we're going to find out that Christ returned. And these are the four major doctrines of the uh, doctrine of Christ. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever gone and purchased something at a store and did not read the return policy? Raise your hand if you really did. Okay, okay, okay. And have you ever not read the return, the return policy and was in for a rude awakening? You don't have to raise your hand for this one. Have you ever lost your... Well, almost lost your temper, ready to go off on the clerk, only to realize that in big, bold letters, you were wrong. We know that the, I call it the good stores. And when you go in and they say, uh, you can return this item in 30 days as long as you have your receipt. All right, no problem, 30 days. Um, and then there's 
the store that says you can return the item in 14 days. However, exchanges only. I remember one time I went to a store uh, in this area. I won't name the store because uh, I don't want to degrade them, but the experience was rather annoying. I bought a Christmas gift at this store, and I realized that um, that it said exchanges only, so I was very careful about the uh, making sure that uh, that the item was uh, would fit. So naturally, it was a gift for somebody. So naturally, when you buy a gift for somebody, what do they usually do with the gift that, say, is an article of clothing, of footwear? What do they do? They tried it on. They tried it on. I mean, name tag, they tried it on. It did not fit. So I was cool with that because I really liked the item, and I was just going to go back to the store and get a larger size. I took it back to the store and the person said to me, this looks like it's been worn so I can't return this. And I'm like, well, they had to wear it in order to see if it, yeah, but, and, and so we we were about to go there and finally she realized she was wrong. So no, sometimes even when you follow the policy, <laughs> mm-hmm, things don't always work. But every once in a while, there's a store that you will come to. And I was at one of those stores, and I, I looked, and I said, nah, I ain't buying anything here, where it says, all sales, no, and no. Sound like you've been at one of those stores before. <laughs> Outside of the Gospels, there are about 44, meaning if you... If you start from Acts and go all the way to Revelations, there are approximately 44 mentions of Christ's return in the Scriptures. And yet people, especially believers, sadly do not know anything about his return. And so I I want to uh, talk to you briefly uh, about four things we need to know about the return policy of Christ. This is, this is the return policy. And, and we need to know the return policy. Because people are saying some crazy things about the return policy. I was driving on Somerville Ave. You know, I usually take my, not, actually not Somerville Ave. If you're familiar with Somerville, you ride down Holland Street, which turns to Elm Street, and then you kind of can turn onto Somerville Ave and take that route to the church. So as I'm turning on Somerville Ave by the what used to be the used to be I'm dating myself. It used to be Leech Mill Wash Car Wash. Now it's something else, but it's a car wash. And I looked up, and and you probably saw it. There were these billboards around Cambridge that said, "The Lord is returning." on November 20th, 2014. I mean, they had a precise date. And they were interviewing people, and people, sad to say, people sold their life savings because after all, Jesus is coming in November, so I certainly don't need a winter coat. <laughs> I certainly don't need a place to live because he's, he's coming back on November 
14th or whatever the date was, 2014, 2015. And of course, that day went by and, and, and obviously, unless we're in heaven and don't realize it, and if this is heaven, God really didn't do a good job. <laughs> because I'm not living in a mansion right now. But, uh, and it's sad. Uh, it's no laughing matter to think that people were led astray because a leader did not know the return policy. I want to talk to you about three things about the return policy of Christ. I want to talk to you about, and they all begin with L, uh, learn the return, or learn that Christ will return. Secondly, look for Christ to return. And thirdly, live like Christ will return. Learn that Christ will return. Look for Christ to return and live like Christ will return. And as I said, sometimes the best commentary in the Bible is the Bible. So I won't say much about this other than to read some scriptures. Mark chapter 13, verse 28 to 37, New Living Translation, it says, Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In other words, uh, what he's really saying is that Understand the seasons and the time. One of the things that I'm really going after in my life is uh, First Corinthians, First Chronicles, chapter twelve, verse thirty-two, where the Bible says the men of Issachar were men who understood the times. And God needs men of Issachar, men who understand the seasons and the time, and and secondly, and knew what to do. And knew what to do. And so he says, look at the fig trees. Understand the season. Understand his time. Verse 32. However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. In other words, Jesus says, I don't even know. So why is God going to tell you when I don't even know? Only the father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. How many of you were ever raised in one of those churches? I want one of those saints. Some of you smile already. One of those sanctified churches where you, you, you are like saying to yourself, if I just get caught in an inkling of sin, I'm, I, I'm going to be left behind. I remember we used to watch, we, there was a movie that we used to watch when we were kids. I called it the Salvation Scared Them Into Heaven movie. It was sort of like left behind, you know, are you going to be with no two in the field and, you know, you're going to be on, you're going to be riding an airplane and all of a sudden the pilot will leave and, and all, can I get a witness? And, and, and I, now I understand that prayer, you know, if I should die before I wake, you know, one of those things where you're like, oh God, please, you know, uh, make sure that, oh God, I want to stay clean because, because the one thing I loved about the older saints, there was always an alertness of Jesus could come at any time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, on, <laughs> on May uh, 28th, uh, thir- 33 years ago, I said I do to this woman. 
And so we've been married for 33 years. And the point is not, I mean, praise God, we're married 33 years. But here's the point. The point is, is that on May 27th, I said, you better not come. You'll get that. Jesus, you better not come. <laughs> I waited a long, Jesus, come the 29th. <laughs> I'm the 29th. There's a whole lot of people praying that prayer right now. Mm-hmm. Some people in this church right now said, Jesus, 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 don't come. <laughs> oh, some of y'all dancing, come Jesus. They're like, I, I'm not feeling that right now. I paid too much money for this wedding. You're not coming until. <laughs> come the next day. That way you don't have to pay the bill. <laughs> The coming, verse 34, the coming of the Son of Man will, can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work that they were to do. In other words, you're going to have to give an account. I left you something, and you're going to have to give an account. And he told the gatekeeper, and many of us know, uh, if you don't realize it, uh, scripturally, and revelatorily, many people uh, refer to pastors as gatekeepers. And so many times uh, as we confer with pastors, we, we, we constantly remind ourselves that we are gatekeepers of the city, that God holds us responsible for the spiritual condition of the city. Amen. And that we're to, to cry out and pray and intercede for the city. Just like Jesus, some of you say, well, you know, just like Jesus, the Bible said he he wept over Jerusalem because he realized he was a gatekeeper. I, you follow me so far? And so uh, he, he says to the gatekeeper, he says to the gatekeeper uh, to watch for his return. Verse 34, verse 35, you too must keep watch for you don't know when the master of the what? Of the household, of the household, the master of the household. Notice he's not talking about the master of a person. The master of the household. So here he's saying that these, these servants are not working on their own. They're working in community. This is very important. This is very important. So the point is, is that, you know, Elder Roy's been given a gift. Darren's been given a gift. Sister Lisa's been given a gift. Our brother Lewis has been given a gift. And you, you've, you've been given gifts to, to help the household make profit. And the Lord is going to return to make to, and we're, we're going to have to give an account with what he left each of us for the benefit of the household. So it's not good enough to say, well, the Lord bless me and, you know, hey, to, to heaven with you. No, I got mine. No, it's about making sure that we, uh, uh, Paul talks about in Romans chapter uh, 1, around 11th verse, that we're trying to strengthen the mutual faith. It's not just me or, be, me by myself. It's about the body. It's about community. Are you following me? We're called, it, our prayer is not my father in heaven. Our prayer is our father, which means he has other children. You don't know when the master of the house will come in the evening at midnight, before dawn, before daybreak. Uh, verse 36, don't let him find you sleeping when you when he arrives without warning. Verse 37, I say to you, I 
I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. Watch for him. Uh, Jonathan, yeah, you can come down now. And while Jonathan's uh, coming, I want to talk about look for Christ's return. Learn about Christ's return. Look for Christ's return. Uh, Jonathan, you got homework. And I'm glad your parents are who they are. So this is your homework. And I'm going to be asking you about this in about two weeks. Okay? So... You don't see this, but with each one I'm giving him, the smile's getting bigger. (laughs) Now this one, the eyes got bigger. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, well, that was good that you thanked me, because you need to. So, in two weeks, I'm not sure if I'll have you do it in front of people, but in two weeks, I want you to give me an account of how you use that money. Okay? I want you to give me an account. Okay? Because it's my money. (laughs) You don't have to pay me back, but I want you to give me an account. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Each of you have been given time, talent, and treasure, and you're going to have to give God an account on how you used it. This church has to give God an account on how he's blessed us. That's why we opened the school, sorry, the church to the Omegle school, because God's going to say, what did you do with that building? Did, did you bless the community? Every resource you have, you're going to have to give an account. When you should have been ministering, you decided that you were just going to watch DVDs, you know, go on a DVD blinge for, uh, not blinge, binge, thank you, help me, Jesus, for 24 hours, you're going to have to give an account for that. We're going to have to give an account of how we treated these bodies. Mm. Mm. Somebody better buy a Fitbit. Anyways, <laughs> Acts chapter 1, <laughs> verses 6 to 11. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Verse 7, he replied, the father alone, again, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and, and they are not for you to know. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. In other words, stop worrying about when I'm coming. Worry about what you're supposed to do before I come. Verse nine. After this, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud. He was taken up into a cloud. He was, he didn't disappear, which means that he went, he went up into a cloud. Are you following me? 
in body form. And he went up until they could not see him anymore. And he kept going up until he sat at the right hand of God as the man, Christ Jesus. And he is the perfect intercessor because he sympathizes, sympathos, sim, the same pathos feel. He knows how we feel. I believe Jesus is insulted when we say, you don't know how I feel. He says, I know how you feel because I'm still human. But I'm God too. And then it says, goes on to say this. Um, um, as they strained to see him rising to heaven, two white robed men suddenly stood among them. Verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into the heaven? This uh, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way. You saw him go in the same way. He left in body. He's coming back in body, but he has a different body. And he is, have you, <laughs> have you ever gone to, uh, the mall and you went to the food court and you're walking through the food court and the people have the little samples and you're like, mm, and, and how many of you just look straight? You're like, you know, I don't feel like buying anything, but if I make the rounds, I can make it back home. Okay, you just look straight. Just look straight. But the point is, is that. (laughs) (laughs) Alaroy said didn't have to buy lunch that day. (laughs) But the point is, is (laughs) some of you are looking straight like, oh, Jesus. (laughs) But they give you a sample so that they're hoping that if you eat the sample, you will come to the restaurant. Jesus' body is a sample of what our body will be like. Notice he says to Mary when she says, Oh, Rabbi, don't touch me. Don't touch me. He has a body. Thomas says, Unless I see what? They're still there. Then you don't see nail prints in a spirit. And what Jesus is saying is that you're going to have the same body. That's why it says this, uh, beloved, now are we the what? Sons of God, but it does not yet appear what we, but when he shall what? Appear, we shall be because we will see him as he is, because we will be just like him. Amen. Amen. In those days, nobody has to wear Fitbits. Hallelujah. We can eat all we want and not gain a pound. Thank you, Jesus. I tell you, oh, I want to see him. Look, anyway. Ah. Finally, live like Christ will return. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the for the grace of God has been revealed. And as you, you know, as I'm, if you're part of PTCB, I've been reading, I've been sending out these little, uh, 12 minute messages 
on grace and what finding grace is, how to activate your grace. And Tuesday, I'm going to finish it up with finding grace. The grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Verse 12, and we are instructed to turn, that is repent from godless living and sinful pleasures and should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. This is how we should live in this evil world with wisdom, with righteousness and devotion to God. Verse 13, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed, as I've read in the opening text. Verse 14, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good or God works. And so I want to encourage you as we uh, get ready to let the Sunday school students and teachers go, learn that Christ return. Look for Christ's return and live like Christ will return. Let's all stand and we want, at the same time we're going to release the Sunday school students and teachers.